0: Joy is something that everybody wants, and yet it's something you never have a guarantee of, and it's something that you can lose very quickly. And tonight, I'll talk just about on that aspect, how quickly joy can be lost. You'd be amazed. And so we're looking at how can a Christian, and we're dealing only with Christians, how can a Christian find happiness and be joyful? What is it? We fail to remain in control When things become unpleasant, we fail to remain in control when things become unpleasant. Every once in a while, I hear a new expression today that refers to people that you don't like. Do you have any folks like that? You ever run across somebody that upsets you? Well, they are using a new term today. I guess it's new, but I hear these people called yo-yos. Now, when I was a boy, the only thing that a yo-yo meant was it went up and down the string, you know. So now they're calling people that they don't like yo-yos. Well, I have a new word I want to coin tonight for you. Instead of calling such people yo-yos, I would like to call them porcupines. That is, as hardly a day passes that some porcupine doesn't jab you where it hurts, brings pain to your life, and upsets you, angers you, and wrongs you. And you end up saying, man, I don't like the porcupines of life because they hurt me. No one likes to be hurt. How many people's names do you have in your little I don't like you black book? I mean, you got there. Now, you could probably, if you want to, and it wouldn't be much trouble, just start going back in your life all the way back to your childhood days, school teachers, next door neighbors, people you work with, you could come up with a list a mile long of, I don't like you because you did something to me, hurt me, and left within my mouth and my mind a taste of bitterness. Now this can be a real area of joy leakage in the Christian life. Now the Corinthian people in the Bible were without a doubt a gifted people. But I want to say they were not a joyous people. Look, if you will, at 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And verse 20. Paul says, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you like I want to find you. And you will not find me to be like you would like for me to be. What I'm afraid I will find when I come to you, that there will still be among you, envyings, wrath, strife, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. Now that's a pretty long list, you see, of I don't like you folks in the church. The Corinthian church was split four ways. And undoubtedly from what he says here, there were a lot more splits among the fours. And they were at everybody else's throat. Now they may have been gifted, but I want to say they were not joyous. There's no way that you can have bitterness and resentment in your life and still be joyful in the Lord. You can't do it. It'll sour your disposition. It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your day. It'll ruin your contentment. And as long as you have resentment and bitterness in your life, you cannot have the joy of the Lord also. And unless you find a way to deal with it, there will be continual misery and agony and pain from that wound in your life. There will be a tension of animosity that will persist throughout your days. You know what we do when we get hurt? Now this morning I said to you, one of the great problems we have is if we just don't follow the Word of God away in our mind. The Word of God comes, our heart is not trained to take it in, we don't watch over it, and we let it slip away. But that doesn't happen with resentment. As soon as somebody hurts you, you write that down in your little black book, and you go to the file under that person's name in your mind, and you file that thing in the cards, and you file that thing in the index, and back in that file, and there it is for future reference. Now, you put down there what caused it. There was maybe a look. They just didn't look right at you. Or it may have been a remark, and you remember what it was. Or there may have been a deed, and you carefully record that in your mind. No problem about forgetting it. Have you ever thought that strange that things like that you can't forget and yet things about the Word of God you can That's so strange, isn't it? The things that we ought to forget to be joyful, we don't forget. And the things we need to remember to be joyful, we forget. Ah, nah. That's strange, isn't it? Why does our memory have such wonderful recall power when it comes to this matter of resentment and bitterness in our life? And then have you thought, why does your memory seem to enjoy going to that file so often. It doesn't just file it away, but it seems to have a real hang-up with always wanting to go there and pull the thing out. You lay down to watch, I mean, you lay down to go to sleep, and out comes the file. That's, That's strange, isn't it? You just can't seem to get this thing put away for a very long time. Ride in your car, and all of a sudden, out comes that file again. You're sitting down at the dinner table and out comes that fall. I mean, continually we are reminded of those unpleasant affairs that took place in our life, which means continually our resentment is restirred and restirred, and continually your joy is no longer there. Now we know that this is unhealthy for our stomach. It gives us sometimes stomach cramps. It's devastating to our calmness. We don't seem to have any rest. And it's very hard on our nerves. We know this for some strange reason. We still don't forget. Bygones don't become bygones. and We can't quite comprehend why we are so taken up with this matter that hurt us, but we are. Now, why doesn't the well of bitterness dry up? It's a good reason. I'll tell you about that. I remember, this is a simple thing. I'll just tell you how it works. I ain't forgot this yet. <laughs> you know, I ain't forgot it yet. I don't know why it's dumb. Well I, I can't forget. You know there was some time ago there was a real rise in sugar prices. This has been what may several years ago? Well, it's been a long time, you know. And so I don't name names tonight. Safeway grocery store had a sign on their window. We don't remark our items. What price is stamped on there, we sell it for. It. So I happened to go in the Safeway store and stumble across in the back of a bin. <laughs> You know, way right back in the back, a big old bag of sugar, and it was marked with the old price. About a dollar under the bowl marked in the front. And I say, well, the sign out there said they don't remark them. So I picked it up, and I went out, you know, just as pleased as I could. I found me a bag of low-priced sugar. I didn't need sugar anyway. But anyway, I went out there, I put it on the counter, and the clerk said, uh, I'm sorry, we won't sell to you that price. I said, now, your sign out there says that you don't remark things. I don't care what the sign says, I'm not gonna to sell to that mm. brush. Well I tell you that oh, that got all over me, you know. I don't remember who that lady was, but I got mad at Safeway <laughs> and I said, I'm gonna bankrupt this store, I'll never buy here again. <laughs> they could care less, you know, when I came back and now. But I still remember that why, I ain't fishing, why? Every time I drive by a Safeway, I remember that, you know. It just keeps coming back to me. I think there are two reasons why you and I can't forget the things that caused us resentment. Number one, the old carnal flesh in you says, you can't rest till you get evil. You can't rest till you get evil. Now, we're not going to forget this thing and let it go to rest until you are satisfied that you have got revenge on that person that harms you. So let's just keep it alive so they don't get away with anything. The second thing is the old devil wants to rob us joy and peace in the Lord. He wants your walk with God to be unpleasant. And so he wants to keep bringing that up because he knows that's going to be unpleasant to you and the Lord can't make you happy as long as you keep thinking about that old resentment so the devil keeps bringing it up. And secondly, he hopes somewhere down the road to make this an issue between you and the Lord. He hopes somehow through this to get you to commit a sin. I think David had the right idea in a prayer he made. Look, if you will, at Psalms 51.10. Psalms 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Now, the spirit of contention is the wrong spirit, and the spirit of contentment is the right spirit. Somehow, we're going to have to deal with this matter of resentment by having God renew our spirit to the point that we can follow it away and forget about it. Because, you see, I believe a lot of our resentment is blown all out of proportion. It started over something sometimes very trivial. So as I, I remember a person left this church because I interrupted their last sentence in Sunday school class. And they didn't get to say their last two or three words. And they got mad and left. Now, I hadn't forgot that. I guess they hadn't either. Or somebody just didn't wave at you when you waved at them. That, that's all that happened. And We filed that away and said, Okay, fella, if that's the way you want it, I'll declare war on you over something just that trivial. And so sometimes resentment, you see, is a result of being blown all out of proportion. Now, David said the first thing he did was pray that he might have a change of spirit. But I think there's another way besides praying that God change your spirit and your attitude and your disposition about it. But there's another way that that I believe we need to handle this matter of resentment and being able to follow it away and forget it so joy can return and remain. Before I walk, before I give you that verse, so I want you to look at something else. It's in 3 John. Now, we're going to be in 3 John for both the verses I'm talking about, but I want to read one of them first to you. 3 John, it only has one chapter, but I'll just tell you 3 John, the first chapter, and we'll begin reading at verse 9. Now he said, I wrote unto the church, but di— and I don't know this guy's name, but diotrophes, I guess. Diotrephes. Who loved to have the preeminence among them wouldn't receive me. You know, he didn't want me there. Anytime somebody doesn't want you, that causes resentment right there, you know. You're not invited to my party, fella. What? I oh, don't forget that. See, only thing John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotropes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, and didn't want me to come. Wherefore, if I do come, I'll remember his deeds which he doeth. Prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. He's pretty rough, wasn't he? But old John said, I remember. I hadn't forgotten about that. Now, how did John handle this difficulty? I believe that came into John's life maybe very justifiably resentment towards this man Diotrephes. How did John handle this? Because something like that, you see, normally just sticks in our crawl and we can't forget it and messes up our whole yeah. life. We just can't be happy almost any day of our life if we keep thinking about it. Well, how did Jesus deal with this same problem? Because there was great animosity expressed by the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How would you think about somebody throwing rocks at you? Jesus faced the same problem. How could he get this resentment out of his life? How did John manage to put the file on the back in the cabinet, shut it up, and leave it there? Well, he tells you, I believe in 1 John 1.14 the secret. I mean 3 John 1.14 the secret. 1, 1.4, I'm sorry. 1.4. Now notice, I don't believe he had any joy as he thought about what this one man did to him. But in verse 4 he said, I don't think about that man. I got something else to think about. And I spend all my time thinking about that other thing. What is it? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. One of the hardest lessons I keep having to relearn every Sunday is that instead of thinking about you people who are faithful, I think about those who are unfaithful. Instead of thinking of you who are sitting here in the pew serving the Lord, I think of those who are not here and are not serving the Lord. As I think of those who are not here, it embitters me, it upsets me, it bothers me, and costs me my joy. And it's, I have to keep remembering, don't spend your time thinking about what you don't have, think about what you do have. Don't think about what you don't have a blessing with, but think about what you do have a blessing with. Take the individuals here tonight, one by one. Recall the good things that God has done in their life. Recall the faithfulness they have been to God. Recall what the good people of God are doing, and you won't have time to think about what those that upset you do. Now that's one of the greatest secrets the Bible reveals of getting rid of bitterness and shame to follow. You don't have time to think about folks that upset you if you take that same time and recall all the good things about the folks who bless you. And I think that's what John did. That's what Jesus did. And that's what you and I are going to have to learn to do with people we don't like. Because there is great joy as you think of the companionship and the friendship and the fellowship of God's people that love you and stay strong for Him in the Lord's Word. You think about the good people rather than those that are upsetting you. And that's how John kept his joy. Though there was people he did not like, there were people doing things that upset him, he forgot about those people the majority of the time, seldom ever went to the file and called up that part of his memory because he was thinking about other people that were good to think about. I think John had a file that was marked Philippians 4.8. That's just my idea now. Look at Philippians 4.8. What should you be thinking about? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, and here's the one I want you to dwell on for what we're talking about tonight. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue in these, then think on these things. Think on these things. So, think of those things that are lovely about people that have been produced by Christ as a result of salvation in their life. Think on those things, what is lovely, what is a good report, and the virtues in their love that they show forth. I think Paul practiced this principle. Paul had people that didn't like him. Paul had enemies, but he didn't deal on these people. What did he do? Look at First Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3. First Thessalonians 1, chapter 1, verse 2, and 3. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. There was joy to Paul as he thought about the accomplishments of these Christian people there in Thessalonica. Same thing is true in Colossians, first chapter, verse 3 and 4. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have towards all the saints. So that's how John and that's how Paul dealt with this matter of handling bitterness. And even the brother that you don't like, even the brother that upsets you, why think about that characteristic of his life? Why think about that slip, that mistake, that flaw, that imperfection? Why not think on the good things in his life? Sure, there are lovely things about people that you don't like. Sure, there are. i trying to think on these. You never have thought on these things. You, know, you, you never have. Why not do it? Why do we just want to think about the things that upset us? Why not think about the things that bless us? Why not just sit down and start thinking about the good things about your children, about your mates, about your brothers in Christ in the church? Why not? Then thank God for so many things in their life that there is no reason for what at all to be resentful of. Look for what is lovely. You'll find it. Think about that. Think of all that Christ has accomplished in their life. Now, in Psalms fifty one ten again we said that David Require or request the Lord in prayer, creating me a clean heart. What do you mean? Creating me a clean heart. Look at Psalms 139. Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, know my heart, know my thoughts, and see if you can find any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. You know, sometimes the matter of resentment is due to evil being in your heart. The problem is not with the one you dislike. The problem is with you. And sometimes instead of feeling we have justifiable reasons for resentment, we ought to say, God, examine me. And maybe I'm the one that's it for. Maybe the whole problem is caused by me. I want to show you how this can work. Look at Psalm 73, verse 3. Have you ever been envious of somebody? I mean, they didn't do a thing in the world to you. Maybe they haven't even spoken to you, but you don't like them. Why? Because they got something you don't have and you can't get it. And that upsets you. So you resent. You're envious and you're jealous of it. A lot of Christians really have a lot of resentment in their life and bitterness for this very reason. They don't have what some other Christian brother or sister has and it upsets them and makes them mad. And they feel cheated and wrong. And really what they're saying is, God doesn't treat me right. But they get angry at the other brother. Why should he drive a Lincoln when I have to drive a little Pinto? It's not right. It's not fair. Now let's look at what the Psalms here said in verse 3. I was envious at the foolish, that is, an ungodly man. I was envious of him. So Why would you want to be envious of an ungodly man? Because I saw the prosperity of him. That's why. Man, he had everything going great for him. He goes on and tells you here all that was going in his favor. I'm going to skip some of them. Look at verse 12. I'm going to skip on down there to that one. Behold, he's ungodly, and notice how he prospers in the world, and notice how his riches increase. Then verse 16. When I thought upon this fact, it was painful to me. What he's saying is, I lost my joy because I looked out there, and that fellow had something I didn't have. Man, that tore me up. And I'm miserable, and I'm unhappy, and it's not right. It's not fair. And I'm envious of what he's got. Sometimes we lose our joy because of jealousy and envy of somebody else. We don't like it when they have things that we can't have and we don't have and it upsets us. We get frustrated. We are discontent. We take this out by resenting the people, disliking the people, trying to even hurt the people, to make their life miserable and to degrade, degrade them in the eyes of other people. In other words, if I can't have what you've got, I'm going to make your life miserable because you've got it. A lot of Christians get hung up in this. And brother, if that's your attitude, you're going to lose your joy. As he said over here, it was painful to me. And it will be painful. You'll be miserable. Look at James 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth, don't say it's of the Lord. Don't say you got that idea from God. This wisdom, that is, this wisdom that you are envying about, did not come from the Lord, but it's earthly and sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work, and I'll add the scripture and unrest and misery. Now, we as Christians, if this is our problem, you're gonna have to confess your resentment, tell God that you're sorry. And come back to realize and see that God's hand is over your life working for your best interest and if you don't have what they have, the Lord's going to have to teach you something and that is to be content. And accept things as they are in your life for the moment and look for change in the future. And I think it's a mistake that we compare ourselves one to another. We should not do this as God's people. Never. You start doing that, and you're going to lose your joy because you're going to tempt yourself to become envious. All it'll do is stir up jealousy if you start comparing yourself with another brother in Christ. It'll cost you your joy. Now I want to close with two verses, one's found in Proverbs and one's in Psalms, Proverbs 1624. Proverbs 1624. Pleasant words are as the honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bone. And I refer here that you ought to tell those pleasant words to yourself. You ought to tell those words to yourself. And the other is Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We should strive to fill our minds with pleasant thoughts and words and to bring bitterness and resentment under control that our joy will not slip away. Either we deal with this problem we face every day, or it's going to cost you joy in the Lord. It really will. Father, we're thankful this night for the scriptural references to people who have the problems that we have, and the solutions that they use to deal with them. And may this night we set forth as our goal, ridding ourselves of resentment that our joy might not be hampered in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.